0: Hi, this is Alan Schimmel for another DevOps chat here on DevOps.com. Today's guest is Nathan Harvey, VP of Community Development at Chef. Hi, Nathan. How are you? Great, Alan. How are you doing today? Good. Nathan, I'm going to bet that most of our audience already knows who Nathan Harvey is and what your role is at Chef. But maybe for the few who aren't familiar, why don't you give our audience a little bit about you know, what it is you do as a VP of community development at Chef? Yeah, I get asked that
1: question a lot, Alan, um, and I'll, I'll tell you that the, the real definition is this. There's two parts to it. The first being VP of community development means that none of my code runs in production, uh, and that makes the world a much safer place, if we're being honest. <laughs> okay. The second, is, the second thing is before I joined Chef, I, uh, I, I did actually have code that ran in production. I actually managed a bunch of production infrastructure uh, and so when I moved from an operations role into a community management role, uh, the thing I like to say about that is I put down the pager and I picked up the bar tab. Uh, that the, the, oddly though, I'm up at 3 a.m. Either way.
0: Yeah, well, I think that's just part of today's work environment where everyone's up, it seems, at 3 a.m.
1: Depending Absolutely. where you are in the world. Um, yeah, but joking aside, you know, it's it's a it's really about going out and meeting with our community and helping fuel the love of chef. Uh, helping folks uh, in companies large and small get better at automation, get better at DevOps, get better at, you know, great software development and infrastructure practices.
0: Yeah. And Nathan, you're not kidding about, you know, seeing people the world over too as, as part of your role, because I, I follow you on Twitter. I follow, you know, where Nathan is speaking and whether it be a local meetup group or a chef users group or a conference or, or customers, you literally are, Traveling the world constantly, you know, kind of, <laughs> yep, preaching the chef message. Nathan, I, I wanted to focus our our talk a little bit today around one of my favorite subjects, security, infosec, cybersec, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Chef has, um, chef has become one of the leaders in and has been for some time, one of the leaders in, in security within the DevOps movement, if you will. Um, you know, I had the pleasure of, of becoming friends with Justin Arbuckle, uh, sure, a year year and a half ago, and and you know, Justin was was out preaching what was it compliance at Velocity or something? I maybe that's right compliance at Velocity. You bet. You know, for a long time, and it, and it resonated with me. And then, of course, I think Chef made a an acquisition, a European company who who sort of had a compliance vulnerability scanning. For code. yes, we sure could. yep, yep, um, yeah, yeah, and and now you guys have really kind of, you know, laid down the gauntlet on this and really, you know, put put the the pedal to the metal in, in talking about why it's important to do this and why it's important to do it earlier. But I, I don't want to steal your thunder. Can you tell our give our audience a little bit of a your opinion on why it's important and and what should be done.
1: Yeah, sure. Look, Alan, in traditional, in a, in a traditional um, way of developing our software, you know, we we all fall under some sort of regulatory burdens. We all have auditors or other security controls that we need to make sure are implemented within our production systems. And the traditional way of doing that, you know, at, at one point in in your development workflow, you might introduce a security scan into the development workflow itself before you go to production. But usually that ends up just being a blocker for moving flow, moving change across your organization. So you'll you'll oftentimes pull that security scan out and then just start scanning your production systems. But for me, scanning the production system is kind of like the oil light on your dashboard. When it comes on, it's too late. Um, yeah. You have to have solved that before you get into the production environment. Um, so, Chef, really, we look at our roots with automation and our ability to fully customize and fully automate the the build-up and the maintenance configuration management of your infrastructure over time, your infrastructure and your applications, and we say we we need to make sure that we're always in compliance, but it's also very important for us that we start to adopt more of the development workflow, more of the software engineering principles. And one of those principles, of course, is that we should do test-driven development. Well, why not take those controls and those audit uh, controls that you have to enforce and move those directly into the development workflow? Um, You certainly see uh, many cases where you're doing, say, static code analysis during your continuous delivery pipeline or during your continuous integration. But what about moving that even, even further back and doing not only static analysis of your code, but also actually testing... What does the the running application actually look like? Is it exposing ports that it shouldn't? Is your infrastructure configured properly? And can you do that on the developer's workstation so that you move that, we like to say, you're moving compliance to the left. If you think about your your change flows from left to right from your developer's workstation all the way out to production, how do we get and, and start thinking not about how to scan the production environment better, but instead how to start baking those controls into
0: your developer's workflow. Yep. And, and, and you know, Nathan, as a security person, that's almost radical to me, right? And I, I will tell you, having, having spoken to many security people about this, we, we actually put on a, a DevSecOps day, a rugged DevOps day, at the RSA conference last year in uh, yeah. San Francisco, and Justin, Justin spoke there. Um, you know, a lot of security people. This makes them very nervous, believe it or not, Nathan, because it's not them doing the scan. We're we're at, we're going to ask developers to scan their code on their workstation while I'm not there to see it, right? Or not there to make right. sure that the, the, right. the right, right, right. But, but it's yeah, has yeah, I'm sorry. Let's, I mean, let's,
1: let's look at that. Like, um, in, in the past and like, uh, I, I understand where these security folks are coming from. Right. But if we look at today's enterprise and the, and the way that software is built today, um, you know, security folks want to be the ones that are doing all of the scans, that want to be the ones that are making all of those assessments. And that's that's like, on, on the one hand, that's fine. They should absolutely be involved in those assessments. But frankly, if it's the security team only that's responsible for that, it's simply not going to get done. The security teams aren't big enough, don't have enough capacity to keep up with the rate of change. They're going to become a blocker in the enterprise, and that's going to become a real problem. So it's really that security professionals goal or or the way that they need to look at this is first automation makes their job much much easier not only can we remediate things that are found much much faster but we also gain consistency and things like that but if we can then partner with the development team with the engineers that are building out those systems and get them to think of security as a first-level concern and compliance as a first-level concern and start being partners with us like we're partnering with them we're not abdicating our responsibility to them and frankly some of the scans that the security team is going to run in the production environment they're still going to run those but what we're going to find by giving developers better tools to run those scans sooner to ensure compliance earlier in the process that those scans are going to find fewer and fewer vulnerabilities and those vulnerabilities that are found we're going to be able to address and remediate much much faster
0: And I might add, Nathan, not only much, much faster, but much, much cheaper. I mean, I've seen studies where it's something like 10x to 100x cheaper to take care of a a vulnerability or a compliance issue, you know, at that shifted left stage where it's still on the developer's workstation rather than on some cloud instance, Right.
1: Absolutely, and that that may feel radical, but it's 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 really just we're going back to our roots. I mean, we've known for for decades that fixing a bug in the development process is much less expensive than fixing it after that bug has been released into your production environment. The same is true for a security control or a compliance control. I
0: I agree. I agree with her. I agree with you. Nathan, I I have another issue I wanted to touch on with you, and that is some people get hung up on on the compliance, the C word, right? Uh, So compliance versus security, right? They're not not synonymous, right? They are not. They are not at all synonymous, no.
1: So I think that uh, compliance, uh, like – Alan, let's think about this, right? Uh, You have a CEO at a company who has to sign off and and agree to have have auditors come in and, and assess whether or not they are compliant. Frankly, when an auditor walks in the building There are many, many organizations who say our our number one objective when the compliance person walks in, when the auditor walks in, is to get them to sign off on our audit and leave as quickly as possible. I don't want them meddling in my business. I want want to get them out of here. Uh, And so, you know, with that approach, what we really do is try to make sure that we can run compliance systems. And compliance, like, is there so that uh... we can assess whether or not we're secure but security really needs to it's it's a different mindset than compliance compliance sometimes is the easier place to start i want to make sure that my audits are passing when i have audits that are passing i can sleep at night knowing that my audits are going to pass and then i can start to look broader at the system and in terms of am i actually building a secure system but frankly security is the foundation and compliance is what sits on top of that
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Nathan, um, the other thing I, I, I think that really has enabled, or and you know what, maybe it's a little bit of a chicken or an egg kind of issue, is does this enable them or have they have enabled the compliance issue, is that developers are taking to heart the fact that security is everyone's responsibility, and in, in the fact of the matter is it starts with them. Right.
1: Absolutely. And and Alan, we've seen we've seen similar things in the past. Look at look at QA teams where developers have said, you know what, we're going to start doing test driven development. We're going to adopt some of those practices. And the QA teams get nervous. How that's that's my job. And the problem with having it be someone else's job is you're not going to you're not going to do it. You're not going to be concerned with it. And so really, just like our QA professionals are now partnering with the devs. The security professionals and compliance officers are now partnering with the development teams, and frankly, that's what DevOps is all about. It's about this working together towards those common goals and getting there as quickly as we can.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and and it's good. I mean, it's good on so many levels. To, you know, to have the security team integrated with the devs, to be working closely with both Dev and Ops it's in DevOps, um, you know, and ma- making it happen. Because, I mean, frankly, that's what that's what attracted me to to DevOps to begin with was the promise of being able to do that instead of being, you know, the appendage at the end of the uh, Rube Goldberg kind of. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And so, so Alan, what you're really looking at there is we're talking about a partnership. So there's some culture or some workflow changes, some partnering that we have to do across the organization. Mm -hmm. But the the thing that helps enable that also is the tooling. The tooling definitely matters. And the two culture and tooling are there to, Uh, reinforce one another. And so with, with Chef we have a new open source language called InSpec and that's the tooling that allows the developers to actually write these compliance controls, execute them locally, and frankly, it it allows them to write them in a way that's delightful, in a way that a developer understands, that a business analyst can look at those tests and understand exactly what's happening. Uh, and then with Chef Compliance, we also introduce those same compliance controls into our own scanner capability, where you can you can scan against your production environment, find vulnerabilities, go back into your automation code. Remediate those and watch that remediation happen across the entirety of your pipeline. Fantastic.
0: Nathan, you know, as, as I had told you earlier before we started recording, our time is limited. But for folks who will maybe want to find out more about compliance scanning, more about Chef's capabilities in this area, where can they go to, to get more?
1: Yeah, for sure. The place that they can go is uh, www.chef.io slash compliance. Um, and again, I just want to sort of stress that the, the scanning capabilities are, are absolutely important. But really what we need to do is shift our mindset and think about how do we start writing tests for those controls and do those early on in the process. Uh, not that scanning should be an afterthought, but we really do need to focus on that beginning stages of our development process.
0: And automation. automating that is key. Nathan, we're we're almost out of time here. I, unfortunately it always goes too quickly, but I wanted to ask you one last question, which we usually ask our guests here on, on DevOps chat. And that is one book. if, If you had to recommend one book to our listeners that they should read maybe over the summer or in the near future, what book would that be?
1: Sure. I would recommend, uh, the Lean Enterprise, How High-Performance Organizations Innovate at Scale. It's a book by uh, Jez Humble, Joanne Molsky,
0: and Barry O'Reilly. It's actually on my bookshelf. So yeah. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> I love it when someone suggests a book I've read, actually. Very cool, Nathan, and it is a great book. Jez's uh, Lean Enterprise book is is great, as, as, of course, is the Continuous Delivery book. Um, but anyway, Nathan, we're about out of time here. So I want to thank you for being our guest on DevOps Chat. Continued success with your globe-trotting VP of community development role at Chef. And continued success uh, to Chef in general there. You know, one of our favorite companies in DevOps and love what they're doing. And maybe we'll be back on again soon. Yeah, that sounds great. Thanks so much, Alan. Okay. This is Alan Schimmel with Nathan Harvey, VP Community Community Development of Chef for DevOps Chat. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.